morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. If you have your Bible with you, I want to ask you to take it out, please. And when you go to the Old Testament with me, when you go to the book of First Kings, I want to ask you to go in your Bible to First Kings chapter 13. First Kings 13 in your Old Testament. This morning, I want to rehearse with you a story that is found in First Kings 13. We don't have time to read this story this morning. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to tell you the story. The story actually begins in the previous chapter, in 1 Kings 12, with the reign of a man named King Jeroboam. Do you by any chance remember who King Jeroboam was? King Jeroboam is one of the more significant characters that we can read about in the Old Testament. King Jeroboam was actually the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel. You see, after the kingdom of Israel divided due to a foolish decision by Solomon's son, King Rehoboam, this man named Jeroboam was given ten of the tribes by God. He was actually given the ten tribes to the north. By God, the ten tribes to the north rebelled against the leadership of Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and they decided to serve under Jeroboam. Jeroboam is important because he was the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel. And let me just tell you that he started out with a lot of promise. He started out with a lot of potential. And a lot of blessing, but due to his lack of trust and faith and the promises of God, almost as soon as he became king, he started doing some things that he should not do. He started disobeying the Lord. He started getting involved in idolatry. You see, because he feared that his people would kill him and return to Rehoboam if he allowed them to travel back to Jerusalem to worship God, which, by the way, is what they were supposed to still be doing. Jeroboam, in his lack of faith, actually decided to set up his own system of worship. He actually decided to set up some golden calves for the people to worship in Dan and Bethel. He did that because he said he wanted to make things more convenient for them. He, he said that he wanted to make worshiping God more convenient. He told them that they shouldn't have to travel all the way back to Jerusalem to worship God. Instead, they should be able to worship the Lord right at home. He set up golden calves and Dan and Bethel. And you know what else he did? He also, he also invented his own priesthood. He also invented a priesthood that allowed almost any and everybody to become a priest. No longer does a priest only have to exclusively come from a tribe of Levi. No other Jeroboam system. Everybody and their mama could become a priest. He set up golden calves. And he invented a new priesthood. That's the kind of stuff Jeroboam did once he was blessed to become king. And the only reason I'm telling you that is because I believe that understanding, understanding what Jeroboam did 
during this time. It's absolutely critical to really being able to appreciate the story that's found in the next chapter. You see, after telling us about the wicked acts of Jeroboam, in 1 Kings chapter 12, in the very next chapter, we're introduced to a very interesting man. Now, we don't know a lot about this man. We don't know this man's name. We don't know what town he comes from. We don't know what tribe he comes from. We don't know if he's married or if he's single, if he has children or grandchildren. All we know is what he's called by at this time. All we know is that he's called the man of God. He is called the man of God. He's called the man of God because evidently he's a prophet of God. Evidently he's a messenger sent by God to give Jeroboam some very bad news. You see, when you look at verse number 12, beginning with verse number 2, I'm sorry, of this chapter, verse 2, we learn that God actually sent this prophet, he sent this man of God to King Jeroboam to let him know that God wasn't happy with him. God wasn't happy with Jeroboam at all. God wasn't happy with this false system of worship that he had set up. God wasn't happy with these with these golden calves that he had set up in Dan and Bethel. God wasn't happy with this priesthood he had invented. God wasn't happy about these altars that he had established. In fact, in regards to the altars that Jeroboam had established, when the man of God finally meets him in Bethel, do you know what the scripture says Jeroboam is doing? He's actually burning incense on the altar. He's actually worshiping on the altar when the man of God confronts him and the man of God tells him, he tells him what God was going to do to him because of that. He tells him that there was going to come a day when a man named Josiah, and keep in mind, this is 300 years before Josiah would even be born. And the man of God told Jeroboam that it was going to come a day when a man named Josiah was going to come from the south. He was going to come from Judah and he was going to burn the bones of the priests on the altar. He was going to kill the priest who had made sacrifices on that altar. And he also announced how that altar was going to be split in two. It was going to be torn completely apart, and the ashes that were in it were going to be dumped out. That is the message that the man of God told King Jeroboam right to his face. And do you know how King Jeroboam responded to that message? Do you know what the scripture says Jeroboam did when the man of God told him this message from the Lord? The scripture says that when Jeroboam heard this, he got angry. He got furious. He got mad. In fact, he got so mad and he got so furious that he told his officials to arrest the man of God. He says, I want you to seize the man of God. I want you to take him into custody. But interestingly enough, as he was saying that, something powerful happened. Something amazing took place. Something miraculous occurred. The scripture says that as he was telling his officials to arrest the man of God, his hand 
his hands started drying up. His hands started withering it away and he could not draw it back in. God was punishing him. God was punishing Jeroboam right there on the spot. In fact, not only did God punish him right there on the spot, but as the man of God predicted, the altar was split in half. The altar was torn apart and the ashes were dumped out and all of that, all of that humbled Jeroboam. All of that brought Jeroboam to his knees. In fact, as his hand is, is withering away, he, he calls on the man of God to save him now. He, he, he says, man of God, save me. Man of God, help me. Man of God, pray to God and beg him to give me my hand back. That's what he asked the man of God to do. And the man of God did that. The man of God prayed to the Lord for Jeroboam. And the Lord answered that prayer immediately. The Lord gave Jeroboam back his hand instantly. And like any of us would have done in that situation, Jeroboam was so happy. Jeroboam was ecstatic. Jeroboam was enthusiastic and he was thrilled. In fact, to show some gratitude towards the man of God, he asked the man of God to come back to his house with him. He said, man of God, come back to my house with me so you can eat and, and, and drink and, and get some rest. But you know what the man of God did? The man of God declined the invitation. The man of God said to the king of all people, I can't come back to your house with you. He says, God told me not to do something like that. He said that before I even came here, God told me not to stay in Bethel. God told me not to eat in Bethel. God told me not to drink in Bethel. God even told me, don't you go back home from Bethel in the same way that you came. That's what the man of God told King Jeroboam. And then he started making his way back home. And if the story ended right there, I believe that would be a great story. I believe that would be a wonderful story. A very memorable story. In fact, I really believe that would be probably one of the most successful stories found in the Old Testament. I mean, think about it. God gives this man of God a mission. And he gets it done. He does exactly what God tells him to do. He goes to the king, King Jeroboam, and he preaches the word of God to him. And it is confirmed that he's preaching the truth because the altar that Jeroboam is offering incense on, it is torn apart. The man of God, he did what God told him to do. He was very successful in his work. And again, if that story stopped right there, that would be a successful story. That would be one of the most successful stories we find in our Bibles. But unfortunately, my dear friends, that story doesn't stop right there. Unfortunately, there is more to this story. You see, evidently, while this event was taking place at Jeroboam's altar, some sons of a man called the old prophet, they were there too. 
the sons of the old prophet. They were there and they saw this event. And you know what they did? They went back and told their daddy about what they saw. They went back and told their father about the work of the man of God. And their father said, I got to saddle up my donkey and I got to go find this guy. I got to go find this man of God. And eventually he found the man of God. He found the man of God sitting under an oak tree. The man of God is sitting under the oak tree and he says to him, man of God, I've heard about you. Come back to my house with me. Come back to my house and get some rest. You eat, you drink, you relax. And the man of God responded to the old prophet with the same thing he said to Jeroboam. He said, I can't do that. He said, God told me I can't do that. God told me I can't spend much time in Bethel. God told me I can't eat here. I can't drink here. I can't even go back home from Bethel in the same way that I came. The man of God told the old prophet the same thing that he told Jeroboam, but the old prophet turned around and told him, wait a minute, man of God, I'm a prophet too. I'm a prophet just like you are a prophet. And an angel of God came to me and said, there's a change in the plan. An angel of God came to me and told me, you go find that man of God. And you tell him that God said, you can stay in Bethel. You can go into the old prophet's house and eat and drink. You can do those things. The old prophet claimed to be speaking from God. But in verse number 18, the scripture specifically says, this man was lying. He was lying about the things that he said. An angel had not come and told him anything, but sadly, the man of God listened to him. Sadly, the man of God took him up on his offer. And he went back to his home with him and he sat down with him and he ate and he drank. And while they were spending some time together, suddenly this old lying prophet from earlier in the day, he starts really speaking by the power of God. He, he starts really prophesying. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the message the Holy Spirit spoke through the old prophet was a message of judgment. It was a message of punishment that was going to come on the man of God. You see, through the old prophet, God told the man of God, God told that prophet who had successfully accomplished his mission with Jeroboam, he said, man of God, just like I'm displeased with Jeroboam, I'm now displeased with you. I'm now upset with you. I am upset with you because you disobeyed my commandment to not eat and drink in Bethel. God says he was unhappy with the man of God because he had disobeyed his commandment. In fact, because he had disobeyed his commandment, God said, you're going to die. You're going to die immediately. You are not going to make it back to your home in Judah. That's what God said through the whole, through that old prophet. And after hearing that message, the scripture then says that the man of God, he got on his donkey 
He began making his way back home, but along the way, he came across something terrible. Along the way, he came across something that none of us would ever want to come across. He came across a lion. There was a lion in his path, and that lion killed him, but the lion didn't eat him. The lion killed him, but he didn't eat him, nor did he eat the man's donkey. In fact, when the people came along later and saw the man of God lying in the street, they saw the lion and the donkey sitting right next to each other in harmony and peace. Now that, in a nutshell, is the story of the man of God. And I certainly believe that that's an interesting story. That is an intriguing story. That's even a perplexing story. In fact, maybe as I rehearse that story with you, maybe you find yourself having some questions. But maybe all kinds of things were, were swirling around in your mind. Maybe you were wondering things like, why did, did God do this to this prophet who was called the man of God? I, I mean, is this fair what God did to this man? Is this fair that God used a lion to kill this man? But he didn't do anything to that old lion prophet. That old lion prophet was allowed to live. Why would God do such a thing? Maybe you hear this story in the Bible. And you think some terrible injustice has occurred. If so, if you feel that way, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want to ask you to try to get your emotions out of it for just a moment. Please just challenge yourself to get your emotions out of this situation for just a moment and just, just consider what the Bible says, okay? Just consider a few lessons that I believe God is trying to teach us from this story about the man of God. And the first lesson I think God is trying to teach us from this story is we need to be careful who we listen to. Would you agree with that? We need to be careful who we listen to. I want you to notice again the instructions that God gave this, this man of God, this prophet who, who we've been considering this morning. First notice how God told him to go to Bethel. He was very specific. He said, I want you to leave Judah. I want you to go to Bethel. He did that. Once he got to Bethel, God said, I want you to speak against Jeroboam's altar. I want you to tell Jeroboam I'm not happy with what he's doing. I'm not happy with this false system of worship that he set up. I'm not happy with the golden calves. I'm not happy with the altar. I'm not happy with the priesthood. God said you go and you speak against Jeroboam's altar. And God also told him that there will be a sign that would confirm his message. We talked about that kind of stuff last week. The sign here would be the altar will be split in half. That would confirm that he was a true prophet of God. God also told him not to stay or eat or drink in Bethel. Neither was he to return home in the same way that he came. Those were the specific instructions that God gave to this man of God. And when this man of God did exactly what God said, guess what? He was successful. He was very successful. He had no problems. He had no issues. Everything went well for him in his life when he just listened to God and did what God said. But when you get to verse number 18, 
A dramatic shift takes place in the story. And so go back there in your Bible, please. Are you in 1 Kings 13? I want to start with verse 18. Now, this is after the old prophet comes to him. And the old prophet finds him sitting under an oak tree. And the man of God tells him about how God didn't want him to stay or, or eat or drink in Bethel. And in verse number 18, he, that's the old prophet, he said to him, I am also a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he what? He lied to him. He lied to the to the man of God. So he went back with him and he ate bread in his house and he drank water. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet. It's really coming to him now who had brought him back, and he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you've disobeyed the commandment of the Lord and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drinking water in the place which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. In other words, you're not going to make it back home. You're not going to make it back to Judah. I want you to notice carefully what those verses are saying to us, I believe that those verses are critical. They are absolutely critical to understanding why this man of God was punished by God. You see, when we carefully consider what the Bible says in those verses, it is crystal clear to us, brothers and sisters, that this man of God was punished by God, not because or not just because God was being mean to him. Not because God was being cruel or unfair or unjust. Instead, the scripture says that the reason why this man of God was punished by the Lord was because he had stopped listening to the Lord. He had stopped listening to the truth. He foolishly listened to a man who claimed to be a spokesman for God instead of being committed and faithful to the message that God had already revealed to him. It didn't matter what this prophet claimed to be. It didn't matter what this prophet claimed God was saying to him. This man of God should have never listened to him. He should have never stopped listening to God. He should have never listened to someone who, had, who was telling him something that stood in direct contradiction to what God already told him. He should have never blindly accepted the message of this old prophet. Instead, he should have carefully investigated as to whether or not this man was really telling the truth. You see, this man of God was destroyed. And remember this, he was destroyed because he believed a lie. He believed a lie, and his actions remind me of so many people in the world today. You see, unfortunately, like so many, or like this prophet mentioned in this story, so many people in the world today, so many religious people in the world today, they're also destroyed because they listen to lies. They believe lies. They blindly believe lies. They gullibly just take a person's word for it when it comes to the will of God instead of searching the truth for themselves.
They'll believe in things like a sinner's prayer or faith only salvation just because a preacher told them that. They'll believe things like one church is just as good as another just because their parents told them that. They'll believe that it really doesn't matter how we worship God just because their friends told them that. Unfortunately for so many people, they don't carefully investigate the truth of God's will themselves. They don't study their Bibles. They don't dig into the scriptures to see what God is really trying to say to them. Instead, they just blindly believe the lies that people tell them. From this story, we see we got to be careful. We got to be careful with who we listen to. We got to search for truth ourselves. We got to always listen to God first and not men. We learn that from this story of this man of God, this man who lied. But then another lesson we learn from this story is we learn a lesson about sin, don't we? Oh, yes, we learn a lesson about sin. We learn that when it comes to sin, sin is serious. Sin is serious business to the Lord. And the reason I think we need to emphasize this point here, because when reading this story initially, we might have found ourselves making the mistake of thinking that that what this man of God did, it really wasn't a big deal. It really wasn't a big issue. It really was just a, a trivial, a trivial matter. We may have found ourselves thinking that when we read this story, but but notice that's that's not how God felt about the matter. Notice how God didn't think what he did here was just a trivial issue. He, he didn't think it was just some some small matter. Instead, to the Lord, what this man did here, it was a big deal. It was a very big deal. In fact, it was such a big deal to God that God killed this man with a lion. A lion killed this man. A lion killed this man on his path back home, but he didn't kill his donkey. That was a sign from the Lord that this was really coming from him. Clearly, this wasn't a trivial matter to God. This wasn't a small matter to God. This man committed a sin. And he deserved to be punished. God wants us to take sin very seriously. We see that when we look at a story like this. But then there's one more lesson I want to show you, and then we're going to close. We learn from this. we got to be careful who we listen to. We learn a lesson about sin and how it's serious. But then thoroughly, we also learn a lesson about obedience, don't we? And that is obedience matters. Contrary to what a lot of folks may believe in the religious world today, obedience matters to God. Will you go in your Bible, please, to 1 Samuel? I want to show you something in 1 Samuel 15. When talking about obedience or lack thereof, one of the best places or one of the best case studies to consider is the case study of King Saul. King Saul. King Saul also started out with a lot of potential and a lot of promise, but he was a failure ultimately because he failed to obey the Lord. And we see that in a story like this in 1 Samuel 15. In 1 Samuel 15, do you remember the occasion when God told Saul to go and wipe out the Amalekites? Remember that? God told him to utterly wipe them out. Wipe out every man, woman, child, beast, leave nothing. Those were the clear instructions that came from the Lord. 
But in verse number 8, the scripture says that Saul didn't do what God said. It says he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the, the lambs, and all that was good. And were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Verse number 10 says, And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret, I regret, God says, that I made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commandments. And Samuel was distressed and called and cried to the Lord all night. Drop down to verse number 22. In verse 22, Samuel eventually catches up with Saul, and he tells him about how God is not happy with what he has done. He's not happy with his disobedience. And after Saul comes up with all these excuses, he's a man of excuses as to why he didn't do what God said. In verse number 22, it says, Samuel says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of divination and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has rejected you from being king here we see exactly what made saul such a failure in the eyes of god here we see exactly why God rejected him and fired him from being king. The reason why this man was a failure in the eyes of God is because ultimately he failed to, to, to obey God. He disobeyed God. He failed to do the things that the Lord told him to do. He failed to submit. He failed to submit fully to the instructions of God. He really was no different than this man right here in this story. You see, like Saul, who did some good things for the Lord in his life. Let's be clear about that. Like Saul did some good things for the Lord in his life, the man of God also did some good things for the Lord in his life. He also obeyed some instructions of God, but he didn't obey all of the instructions of God. He didn't do everything that God told him to do. He disobeyed the instructions that God gave him about spending time in Bethel. And because of that, in the end, he suffered. He didn't make it back home. He didn't make it back to Judah. The question is, are we going to learn from his mistake? The question is, are we going to make it home? Are we going to do what it takes to make it home? I want you to think about that as we get ready to go into our invitation. The man of God didn't make it home because he didn't obey the Lord fully. And one of the key lessons we need to take away is if we obey the Lord God fully, we'll make it home. We'll make it to our true home. Our true home that's in heaven. In fact, maybe you sit there this morning, you realize that you have not been obeying the Lord in your own life. Maybe you realize that you have not obeyed what the Lord says in regards to what you need to do to gain salvation, and that is believe it in Jesus. 
and repenting of your sins and obeying the commandment in the Bible to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If you sit there this morning and realize that you are not on the right path to get you home to heaven because you're not obeying God, let us help you with that right here and right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.